Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the word budget, perhaps one of the least sexy words we've used on the podcast, yet one of the most important to your success. A good definition of budget, courtesy of Merriam-Webster, is a plan for the coordination of resources and expenditures to allocate or provide for the use of something in detail so you can plan accordingly. I love budgeting, and my guest for this episode knows her way around budgets. Stacy Linderman is the founder and principal consultant of ASICS Financial and Business Optimization, specializing in budgeting and financial clarity. Another one of my favorite words. Prior to launching her own business, Stacy worked in both the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors and is unapologetically not boring. Oh, <laughs> How much do I adore you for putting that into your bio? Welcome, Stacey. <laughs> I am so excited to have you here. So thank you and welcome. I am so excited. I have to come clean. It was on my bucket list to be <laughs> on your podcast. So this is a big, big thing for me. I'm so excited. Oh my God, I'm bursting. I am beaming from ear to ear. What a kind thing to say. Well, back at you. This is really great. I want to get right to it and ask you, um, aside from the obvious definition that we just shared, what does budget mean to you? How'd you get to like- well, that definition like is so boring. I mean, if anybody were to read it, I think they would be, they would run from this, from us in this podcast um, because the definition of budgeting is boring, right? It's so dry and it's so boring. But like you said, it is so important in the fabric of everything we do, whether it's personal, it's professional, all across industries. But it is an obstacle when you even Google the definition of budgeting, you're ready to go to bed, right? <laughs> What it means to me is having a clear roadmap mm. of where you want to go. So when you're driving the car, if you don't have an address of where you're going, you're never going to get there. And your budget is the heart of an organization. Can they change Webster's and add that? We'll <laughs> get on it. We, we can have a little social campaign on that. <laughs> We're going to redefine budgeting. So you just redefined budgeting. So explain that to me more about how, so it's a foundation of the roadmap. Yes. Well, it's a foundation. It's a um, skeleton of your organization. Quite often we hire accountants, which is a great thing. You need an accountant, a bookkeeper in your organization. And on the flip side, quite often we hire finance people. Budgeting is right in the middle. So you have accounting on one side, you have budget, you have finance on the other, and budgeting is your linchpin that holds them both together. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, more. And, because... and that's why it's so exciting to me. Okay, I want to stop. We're going to come back to why this is exciting or do this together. But even yes. could you join the notion of how budgeting is the linchpin between accounting and financial services? Or I'm assuming you think of like financial planner or, well, I don't know if I could be getting all the definitions wrong, but how is that the linchpin? And you know what? Again, let me stop and back up one second. Yes. And the reason why I was so excited to even have this topic is I come from the creative side. And yet yes. I work in television. So budgets were always a really big deal. Like how much is it going to cost to make this thing? But yes. if you don't, if you had had that experience, it's not the thing that you think about first. It's no. also launching a career or as a solopreneur, or I'm going to hang mm -hmm. my shingle. If you're creative and energetic, you're often not thinking about it at all. 
you know, like all the elements of budgeting and like, how much do I have? How much does it cost? How much time does it take? Which is an allocating, you know, time is an important part of budgeting. So that's why I was so excited to have this conversation because I think that it, as you're going to know better than me, it can make or break someone's enterprise. Yes. It can um, propel your dream or it could stop your dream from ever, yes. you know, you know, taking flight. So that's just sort of- Do you want me to repeat the accounting and finance linchpin piece again and then explain it a little more? Yeah, yeah. so if you want to go into that. The way that I look at it or the way that it is, is that your budget is the linchpin of your organization. You have accounting on one side, you have finance on another side, and your budget is what enables the two of them to talk to each other. Okay, so when people think of a budget, a lot of times they think of my expenses and they look at it as handcuffs to letting them know what they can and cannot spend. And they look at revenue targets. And if they're not making those revenue targets, they feel like a complete failure in life. But the budget pulls it all together. So a budget's not just for a million or a billion dollar organization. A budget is for those of us that are starting out in life and, and in starting out in our career. Like I think you had said in another podcast earlier about a solo, how did you say it? The entrepreneur, a the solopreneur? Solopreneurs. Solopreneur. I love it. I love it. The budget is just as important for those people or us because it helps us to figure out what our return is. So if you open a small cupcake shop and you have the best cupcakes imaginable, the line is around the block, right? And you're selling those cupcakes for $4.50 each and everyone's buying them. You, you sold 20,000 in your first month. But if those cupcakes really cost you $5 to produce, with every cupcake you sell, you're losing 50 cents. So you're never going to be profitable. You're never going to make money. And the cupcake place, even though everybody loves your product, is going to close. And the budget, the financial analysis backing of that, is what helps you to understand how to make money. Same thing if you are one of my, my um, current clients who, and dear, dear, dear friend runs video by Janine. And she used to work at Conan O'Brien. So I'm talking like in your space, right? And she often, so many people dreaded the budget. Of course, you dread the budget. You're like, oh, they gave me a budget for this little skit that I have to do on just say Saturday Night Live or whatever. I have a budget. And that's, it's going to ruin my day. I had to deal with these, I had to deal with counting the numbers and figure out what I can do. But if you have a thousand dollar budget for this skit, it comes down to what is most important. This is something that Janine walked me through and, and taught me that how important the budget was in her industry also, in that she would have an X, Y amount, X amount of dollars that she would give her producer, whoever was handling this for her. And they would go out and spend a lot of money on pink shoelaces for one of for one of the cast to wear, right? One of the stars to wear. Um, and she would have to have the conversation with them that would say, what's more important, that the extra in the scene is able to talk or that this actor has pink shoelaces on? She wasn't telling them which one was more important. She was just saying, which one is going to make the scene? Right. And so the budget, like even though you're talking about a budget in, in some cases where it's a thousand dollars and you're talking in other organizations where a budget could be ten million dollars, the budget is just as important in both scenarios, because that's what helps us going to the roadmap analogy. If you have if you don't know how you're going to get there, if you don't know how much you want to make, 
you're not going to be necessarily successful. Okay. Back up. How much did I love everything you just said? So one, to that point too, a prior, another episode of the podcast I did with Mary Langle, who has built a seven figure uh, digital business is her title was, is it nice or is it necessary? Mm, right, which, which is, is a, it's just another phrasing of exactly the conversation that you were having with Janine. Is it nice or is it necessary? And is what propels us forward. So great. Two, right there is just to understand how important it is just to have a budget. And so many of us start out and we aren't thinking that way because it's just, got, I'm going to hang my shingle and I'm yes. going to go hustle for clients. I haven't thought that, but the really key question that you just mentioned at the end of that is to have a number. And whenever I think about that, you know, it's, they're funny, you know, moments from film and television where, you know, where you see the guys negotiating and somebody's writing down a number on a piece of paper and they fold it and they slide it across the table. Yes. <laughs> right. It. And then you look and read it, what the number is. But, and the reason I'm bringing this up and spending time on it is years ago yes. when I was working with one of my first coaches and I was like, you know, I want to grow my business and I want to be successful and I want to do all these things. And I was talking to these big, broad, vague generalities. And he's like, mm-hmm. great, well, what's your number? And I was like, what do you mean? And so to your point, you need to know, uh, have a sense of your destination, right? Whether yes. I want to grow, I want to be a seven-figure business. I want to, I want to be a six-figure business. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I just, or I want to meet, meet my nut. It's really helpful to actually know what your nut is, um, mm-hmm. which many people don't know either. Um, but it's the same way. It's like you, another part of that too is if you want to grow your social media, it's you know if you add one follower, you've grown. So you really want to get much more specific about what, well, what yes. I'm, what's the number I'm trying to hit because then we back in once we back in once we know what the goal is, we figure out how to get there. So. Yes. That's, those are two essential points mm-hmm. that you've brought up as having a budget. Now we've added, know yes. what your nut is. Three, know what your destination is. Going on this yes. line of thinking, what are, what are your checklist questions that you would ask somebody? So I, um, when we think of a budget, a lot of times we think of expenses. How much can we spend on something? The revenue side is just as important. So what, how much do you want to make? And if they say, I want to make $100,000, Okay. Really, they might need to make $200,000, spend $100,000 to take $100,000 home. So the revenue and the expense combination is just as important. I I could go into a company and they could be a $5 million company and they're barely making payroll because they bring in $5 million, but they're spending $4.9 million. Okay, where you could have another company that brings in $5 million, but it's only spending $3 million. What company would you rather be associated with, right? Mm, now we're getting to the notion of profit and profit mm-hmm. and loss statements, which yes. again, and all ties to the budget. Yes. But I meant when you're a solopreneur, if you don't come from that side of it, mm-hmm. now you're like, wait, what, what are you talking about? I don't yeah. understand what any of this means. So that's a really great point because it's really easy, especially in the glamour industries that I come from yes. to be like, oh my God, you're just, you just see stars and gold and shiny things in front of you. And the same thing even happens with charities when you hear someone so raised, this huge amount of number from their benefit, but mm-hmm. you don't realize what it costs to get there and that maybe, what it they, cost. And maybe they didn't really, really make money. They raised money, yes. but they didn't make money. And so it's not necessarily going where it's supposed to. It looked pretty, yeah. but it didn't get there. So yeah. that becomes a really great point about profit. The other thing I want to mm-hmm. um, go into though, because it comes up with my job as a coach, was the notion yes. of investing in ourselves to make money. Yes, of course. So how do you counsel people on that? 
Um, it depends where they want to be and where they want to go. Uh, I do business coaching with my with my clients. So I have a couple verticals of business. I definitely love the budget and specialize in that. And, and we go into the five-year models, short-term, long-term, and, and um, how much should we charge for products or services. But when I'm actually coaching someone, it's what do you want to make? What do you need to make? What is important to you? What is your motivator? Um, you had given an example about, I want to grow my social media. And growing your social media could be one person. So you just accomplished your goal, right? Do you, what's going to feel good for you? What's going to make you feel like you're successful at the end of the day? But uh, each one of us, whether we know it or not, we're budgeting constantly. Mm. Not just our home to say, okay, I make... Uh, $50,000 a year and my mortgage costs 20 and my food shopping costs this and my hair salon costs, you know, I, I want to look glamorous and that costs this. And so this is how much I need to make. We make, we make budgeting decisions every day. We could walk into a shoe store, see a beautiful pair of uh, sandals and crazy heel and flashy. And we love them so much. And in your head, you go, they're worth $50. And if you look at the price tag and they're $110, you're not buying them. But if the price tag's $47, you're trying them on, right? Now we're getting into value too. So keep going, yes. right? Yes. In the different in the different industries I work across, whether it's a construction company that you know paints that paints commercial or, or residential, or it's a gutter company, or it's a tattoo shop or it's a restaurant, they all in some way, they have to have, or they at least do some form of budgeting to know how many people they can hire, to know how much they should spend on their goods and services. And then it all leads to how much should they charge for their, their product. So, and then it comes down to, am I charging the right price? And Am I worth it? So when I'm coaching someone or I'm talking to, you know, a client or whatever that is in the service industry, so the, what they're selling is themselves and their commodity, they might come down to, well, I really want to make $50 an hour to pay my bills. And then we have a conversation, but are you worth $50 an hour or are you worth $300 an hour? What is the worth to someone? Um, so that that's how we design the budget for what they want to charge per hour. And then on the flip side, the person that they're that's hiring them is deciding whether they can afford that, whether it's worth that for them and whether it fits into their budget. To me, it all comes back to the budget, <laughs> whether it's the expense side, the revenue side, the profit side. To go back a little bit, I didn't always have this big, big love for the budget. I started out on the operation side of things, on the legal side, and and um, my years of paying attention to the accounting and the finance and running an organization where there would be, just say, a billion-dollar budget and 50 departments. Each of those 50 or 100 departments had their own budget. Um, and I realized that I couldn't, I didn't understand the financial statements if I didn't understand the budget. So often people get directors of companies. I just had a conversation with someone last night, director of a nonprofit um, company. And she says, the truth is I get my financial statements once a, mo once a month from my comptroller. I have no idea 
what it's telling me. And a lot of times it's because they, it's so high level. It's, it's such at a macro level without understanding the budget and what buckets things go into, the financial statements are saying nothing to you. And, and quite often, a lot of times people don't want to admit it. I don't blame them. They don't want to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you ever sit in a room with people and someone says, oh, well, the, you know, ABC, and you're thinking, what does ABC stand for? Nobody else is asking the question what it stands for. I guess everybody knows what it means. Well, most people in that room have no idea what the ABC stands for. I'm always the one that I'm like, what is it? What does ABC mean? What does WQX mean? Okay, God bless you for that, because that is a really human thing, because uh, we tap into fear and our own insecurities and all those things. It's like, I'm sure I'd be the one nodding, going, oh, I suppose I'm, I'm going to go Google Everybody that else under knows the table. It. But yeah, I, I would be the everyone knows it but me. Yeah. Wow. And you know what? I think you're and also you think everybody's into- smarter than I am. Everybody oh. knows more than I do. Oh, we all God. have that in our head, right? It's the worst lie we could tell ourselves. So wait, so how finish the story though. How did you go from operations to be like, oh my God, budgets are my jam? The numbers <laughs> always told a story to me. They did. I mean, from 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 a young age, the the numbers always told a story. I was always the one walking through the whatever clothing store. And if it said uh 20% off, I knew the answer, like I knew exactly what the price was instantly. So the numbers, I always loved the numbers, but it wasn't until um, probably like eh, 10, 15 years in or whatever that um, I was studying the law and, and thinking that that was my passion, that I really got to work with the numbers and realize that's where that's where I get excited. Not everybody feels that way, but but I do try to, it's one of the missions of A6, my company, that we really tried to take the fear of the mystery out of the numbers and to work with our clients to say, well, if you don't, if you don't understand the numbers, that's fine. You're not a failure at everything. You started this company because your passion lies in beauty products or casting, or I mean, whatever it may be, you're amazing at knowing how to put a gutter on a building and, and the roofing industry. You're not amazing at everything, just like I'm not amazing at everything, right? So that's where we engage people that might know the pieces that we don't know to help us be the superstar in our business. It's fine to say, I don't know everything, but it's, it's crazy not to say, where do I need help? And to bring other people in that have that expertise, right? Absolutely. I, I was actually interested in something from your website and your bio is that one of your core principles is that it's essential for you to understand your client's operations yes. in order to bring, you know, going side inside with the financials so that financials, to your point, are not high level or don't exist in a vacuum, mm-hmm. right? They're not siloed. So, so what does that mean? How, how, how does that impact client A versus B if they're in different industries? Yeah, so so many times, like chief financial officers, like you know, us CFOs will, or even comptrollers, will look at something, and we understand the debits and the credits of it, and we understand that a company's making a profit or not making a profit, or month over month trends, but without knowing the operation the operational side and really getting to know your clients to be like, so tell me, tell me about your product. Tell me what you're selling. Tell me what energizes you, um, what your customers really value from this. Getting to know my clients and and really they're ultimately turned into my friends. um, It enables you to help them so much more. 
So we have a mutual friend who's been on your podcast once or twice. twice. Um, uh, Sean D. Simone, the owner of Sean D. Simone. Um, um, oh, what is it? Sean D. Simone? Casting. Casting. <laughs> he's amazing. One of my favorite friends and clients. And he's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But I'll ask Sean a million questions. So explain to me, how many people do you have to interview to get there? How many people did you have to screen? Did you have to fly there? Could you do the same thing via Zoom? How many would, um, what was the vibe when somebody came in the room? Why is it important that the person is authentic? Like I really need one to understand what they do and, and, and the product that they're selling so that I can understand the numbers, what things cannot be cut out of what you do, what things are so essential. Because a budget's not all about cutting. It's about leveraging your resources. Mm. Oh, say that again. A budget is about what? Is about leveraging your resources you and spending the money on what is really, really important. If it is important for you to physically be on site and have a glass of wine with someone and have a conversation to get to know them for your business, then you should definitely be doing that. But if it's not super, super important that you sit in first class going to that destination, well, then let's talk about that. You know, and, and no owner wants to be told what they can and can't spend money on. And the budget really doesn't tell them what they can and cannot spend money on. It gives them the choices to know what is important to them, what is not important to them. There's things we all have to do, right? We may have to have liability insurance. Um, we have to put gas in our car. We hopefully, you know, want to have a roof over our head and security. And then there's things a Fendi bag might be important to somebody, whereas someone else is totally beyond fine with a coach bag and they love their coach bags, right? I mean, what's, what's important to you? Um, the job of a finance person is not to tell an owner what they should or should not spend their money on. It's to, to help facilitate their dreams and to get them where they want to be. Mm-hmm. That becomes such a great way of looking at that. About goes back to Mary's. Is it nice or is it necessary? Is it essential? And then something I've learned in my own business has helped me shift what I do in my business was this notion of return on investment, which I hadn't yes. really thought about, but it goes back to what you're just talking about in the example of Sean's like, how long does it take? How many hours am I putting into something to make money? Is there either a more efficient way to do that? And technology has helped me in many ways in my business, but other things too, is I realized I, I started doing certain things less or shifted the focus of my business because of things that were easier. They just came down to be more profitable. I enjoy them, but they also, there is an easier way to make money, takes less time, easier flow, just all those different elements. So I think often for people listening who are pursuing different things, it gets into all these different things we're told we need to have, all the shoulds, and that gets yes. into marketing and how do we show up and what's your website. And so one, yes. I think budgets, going back to research, help us prioritize. Yes. And so I want to reframe it. If you could bring us up, it's like, what are the questions anyone needs to ask themselves to help them ascertain what is the priority here? What part, what part of the spending brings us joy? What part of the spending um, is essential to the product or delivery? Um, what part of the spending I'm just doing because I've always done it and it may not be key. It's, it's, um, it's not shocking to me, but it's shocking to probably to a lot of like my owners that I go through this exercise with the first time where we're actually, they could be super profitable in a business for 10 years, right? And they say, oh, you know, I'm, I, it's time. I've been flying by the seat of my pants. I actually, I want to have a budget now. 
They've been all this time. They, they haven't had a budget. And we we go into this campaign, I call it the no stone unturned campaign, where we go through and we really build the budget, like a zero-based budget up from nothing. And we look and we look at every single line. And it's it's shocking to them where they'll say, I've had this magazine subscription for 10 years and I don't even look at the magazine. Or they'll say, wait, I'm on a auto renewal paying for X, Y, and Z. We don't even use that anymore. Wait, I'm paying for Teams and Zoom? Okay, wait, I need to talk to the company. Which one do we want? So it's so it's dropping the things that are not adding value to your mission as a company. Going back to the, the skits on Conan O'Brien show, which one's going to make the laugh that the extra can shake their head and go, aha, or that the actor to the left is wearing bright red shoelaces? I'm not telling you which one it is, but you'll know the answer as the business owner. You'll know the answer as the one that's producing that skit, which one is going to make it. So I, 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 we go through a list of questions like what's our, ugh, to get so technical, or it's going to go back to uh, your, your beautiful intro with the, you know, the boring definition of, of a budget, but to go back to your fixed versus your variable expenses. So there's the fixed things that you have to have to do. If you want to drive to New York, you had to have gas in your car. So that's pretty much a fixed expense, right? You may have to go through a toll. But do you have to get your car washed before you go there? Is, is, that, is that necessary for you? It might be necessary, might not be necessary. You'll know whether it's something you need to do or not. Um, sometimes we're talking about super little dollar amounts, and sometimes we're talking about large dollar amounts, mm -hmm. things that you, you should be investing in. I mean, marketing is one of the first things that I see people cut when, when times get tough. I think it's one of the last things you should cut when times when times get tough. Um, it's but it's a different way to look at it, right? Uh, it's a different way to examine it. So we say, how are you going to continue to grow if you cut your marketing first? Maybe that's not the thing you want to. That's the thing, not the thing you want to cut. Maybe you can do that on Zoom, or you do need to do that in person. There's like a list of you know millions, millions of examples. When you start talking about the fixed versus variable, people are like. They want to like shoot themselves. Um, but it goes back to the conversation we were having about you're not you're not an expert at everything in your business. And that's why you hire people to explain things to you, um, help walk you through it, not to make you feel stupid if you don't understand something, to put it in a language that you can understand. The the silly little cupcake example I gave, I use examples all the time. Like, okay, so you walk in the grocery store and you see this to the left. Um, it's easier for people to digest if you start talking about, you know, margins and these big, you know, fancy words that are like, what are you talking about? Well, um, and then they want to run from the budget, right? Yes, but that goes back to, you know, I've worked in so many shows around businesses in the cable space. And one was a lot about like restaurants and, and restaurants are a business notoriously tight margins. So that goes back to giving definitions for people to understand. It's like how much it costs to have a business, have, run a restaurant versus where you're going to make your profit. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's really tricky. And labor costs are enormous, which is why yes. many people in with restaurants I know are like, don't want to have the restaurants in New York where I live. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, restaurants are a great example during the, well, during or after the pandemic. That watching them all change their menus, things they can't afford to do anymore. 
you know what? I'm not going to put pickles on the side of that. I'm going to say, do you, would you like pickles? And if they say no, I'm not going to add it to the plate. Would you like a straw? <laughs> I know that there's environmental things with that, but um, would you like water on the table rather than just bring water to the table every time? Um, there's like little things where you can make them a la carte and not offer them if somebody doesn't want it. Well, you know, now you're also tapping into such an important theme for the podcast as well is one is just the idea of getting used to treating yourself as a business. Mm -hmm. Whether you have a business, yes. or not, we, all of us are a business. We all pay taxes, whether yes. we run them as businesses or not. Because I had another guest on recently and he's, you know, his whole thing is, you, you know, you are the CEO of you. And so now you're also saying Love we it. all need to be the CFO of, of me mm -hmm. or you at the same time. And that's really important. Another thing that's like, again, not so sexy, but I've advocated <laughs> for a long time because it's made a difference in my career was having a savings account for my business. Oh, of course. Of no course, one ever talks about course. that though. And for an individual, the reason why is be able to take advantage of opportunities that come up so you don't have to go into debt or yes. go crazy, but in, in a really simple one in the casting or the talent space, it could actually even be in a job seeker space was mm -hmm. to be able to afford a plane ticket and maybe a really expensive ticket to attend an event that can yes. get you in front of someone. And normally you might, if, if you didn't have that savings account, you'd be like, I can't afford a $3,000 ticket to go to that incredible mm -hmm. place, but I'm going to be in front of all those people. But if you'd been saving up for that and had like a, you know, a Christmas fund or whatever the a Christmas club or whatever that is, and you've been, yes, socking away. I've known a number of people who've made a really huge difference in their career by getting to be in that right place at that right time. And so to yes. me, it's like saving money, budgeting for that thing that doesn't exist yet can really, really help. Yes. And budgeting, which is often not in the definition of it, gives you flexibility. People mm. look at it like it doesn't, it, it puts a noose around your neck and prevents you from doing what you want to do. But in essence, what you were saying about the savings account, if you have a savings account, you're not so suffocated by by cash flow. And so many of us that own small or super big businesses, cash cash is king, right? So cash flow is king. Um, it's not just cash flow, can I make payroll at the end of the month, but it's can I invest in the things that I want to do? Can I buy that ticket to that fancy event that would ultimately get me in front of the people I want to be in front of, or get me noticed by people or help me get clients. Um, if I didn't have that savings account, I wouldn't be able to have the cash flow to do the things I want to do. Um, a lot of times we think of cash flow as well, or cash and the savings account. Well, I have to have cash because I don't want to bounce a check. It goes way beyond just that short-term bouncing a check as it, how do you invest in yourself if you don't have that reserve? Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you continue to be a lifelong learner? How do you skill? You I mean, thank God there's podcasts out there like yours that we can listen to and we can be lifelong learners. We can run on the treadmill. We can listen to your podcast. What an interesting guest that is. Follow additional people. And there's so much content out there that you can take advantage of. Um, but there wasn't always and there's times where they might say, you know what, I love Barbara and I learn so much from her every time I listen to her podcast. But you know what, it's not enough for me. I actually want to have a conversation with Barbara and maybe she'll be my coach. Can I afford to hire Barbara as my coach? Let me invest in myself. 
because the return they're going to get by having Barbara be their one-on-one coach, I mean, yes, you give free content, right? But you're giving a little bit of what you have to offer. You have so much more to offer to people. They might not get that unless they're actually, you know, paying you to have a one-on-one where you're really focused on them and their problems and their challenges and you're mentoring them, their next step in their career and their life. The return that they're going to get by engaging someone's high level like you they're going to make that money back tenfold. But if they don't, if they don't, if they're not able to invest in themselves and the budget allows them to do that. Okay. One, I love you now, Stacey. And two, I want to let I, everyone know that you are not a paid guest on my podcast. Oh, and that was I really, love you. Really, I am a huge fan. Really, really generous of you. But three, that's a really great example that my friend Maria Pendolino talks about. And she was a guest on the podcast. She's a voice artist. And she gave the example years ago to me was the difference between investing in headshots when she was launching her career. So the DIY, which a lot of us do, and this gets an interesting question around marketing and where we invest or don't, because it's true, you don't have to spend a ton, but a lot of times, especially in the digital world, this idea that anyone could do it with an iPhone, in theory, yes, but not all of us can do it well with our own iPhones. So that idea of investing in, in, in professional services is really important. So she gave the example of like the DIY headshot she did versus the first time she invested in a headshot photographer. She booked a job immediately off that gorgeous photo. The photo paid for itself on the first shoot, which led to many The photo shoots. beyond pays for itself. Right. I often, and it's not, it's, it's even just on LinkedIn. It's even just on photos. I, I often say to clients is one of the first things mm. um, you, you have to invest in that website. You have to invest in that, that headshot. A lot of people really, really took a financial hit during the last two years in the pandemic. Right. Yes. I, I, across so many industries that I intersect with really, really rough. We've already touched on the restaurant industry, which was yes. devastated in New York and probably in some other cities, probably Los Terrible. Angeles too. Um, the music industry, the touring business, Broadway, live performance, oh, live um, performance, caterers, just so many, so many people that I work with and know personally and, and my heart goes out to. So now what are, what's, let's talk a little bit of the conversation about how we address, oh my God, I'm, I'm in the hole and now I'm trying to get back on my feet. How do, how do we yes, address yes. that? Cause that's I, intimidating. There's, there's resources out there for people. And there are not resources out there for people, right? So we know the people that say, oh, I was I was fortunate that I got I was able to get a, a PPP loan or I was able to get a grant or a, whatever it is, right? And then you know the people that got nothing. They had a good year the year before the pandemic hit. So from the government, they got zero. They might've been brand new in their business or they were structured a certain way where they got zero support. But what is a good thing if we could see a silver lining, cash is cheap in a way right now, right? So lines of credit to what you were saying earlier about debt, I, I kind of disagree. Sometimes debt is a good thing. Okay. Um, especially if it's a good debt, right? I mean, you don't want to have credit card debt. Definitely not. But a line of credit can really get a company back on their feet um, and investing in their marketing and investing in in fine-tuning their financials and hiring experts they might not have and and but and then and then they could draw on that line of credit and quickly pay it back like they don't it's not like a a permanent loan where they're paying on it whether they're using it that month or not i had quite a few clients that took it 
I took a hit. I have quite a few people that have had growth that they've never seen before because of the pandemic. Um, and I've had the people that, you know, the word of the year is pivot that, you know, that has, that have pivoted. I've done more organizational assessments. Um, one of my fa super favorite exercises, the SWATs, the strength, the weaknesses, the opportunities and threats that will list out the things that they should maybe focus more on or focus less on or threats in the market. Look, none of us knew. I would have never thought that things would be shut down the way that they were shut down. It is, it was, it's just clothing stores that were around for what? You know, 20 years, all of a sudden we're closing because they didn't have whether the oh, we still online have market. All empty blocks in New York City. Yes. So, yes. But, but so what if, what if I'm not a business? What if I, I am my business and I either have a small business or I'm just, I'm a creative and I've, mm -hmm. I've taken a hit or, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a gig worker, especially in the creative yes. field, right? So, oh. I'm at, so now I'm, I have, and I probably do have credit card debt because that's what mm -hmm. I lived off of when programs started to disappear and, and rent subsidies, et cetera, et cetera. So I just meant broadly, what are some of the yeah. you know, obvious or not obvious steps? I thought it was interesting what you said about finding good debt versus bad debt is a really interesting approach. What are some of the other questions someone should be asking themselves? I guess one is maybe even a realistic sense of how long will it take to actually turn this around? Oh, I think it's really different for all different industries. Okay. I mean, they, they a, a small mom and pop, uh, boutique clothing stores is going to be very different than a hotel, right? Um, it's going to be very different from our venues. People are getting back out there and they're going to the casinos and the, and the live shows, but are they filling every seat? Are we at capacity? You know, the mass mandates, it's just, I think it really is so different than in every single industry. One thing that I do talking about good debt or bad debt, I mean, the thing that all of us should stay clear of is any like late fees or penalty fees. It's the worst thing, you know, you can, you can do. Uh, unfortunately, there were so many people that had to file for bankruptcy during this time. And it was the only way that they um, could get out of it. I do believe that the market is going to turn back around. I mean, we are at an all time high of inflation. What the last I checked was like 38% or something. But I do think just like the housing market many, many, many years ago, it will come back around. Mm -hmm. things will equalize again. Um, I wish I had like a secret sauce where I could say to people, just do this in the, you know, just do this in the meanwhile. I mean, so many, we're, so many of us are just like holding on, trying to find other revenue streams, trying to diversify, um, staying in line with our passion, why we're doing that and being true to ourselves and, and, and obviously keeping our integrity. You've talked a lot about that on your podcast. And um, I wish there was like a a secret to it. It's so difficult. And it's such a difficult time for so many, maybe to cut yourself a break. Oh, I love that. But I actually want to go back to some things that you said that are maybe obvious to you, but are really powerful reminders to people. One, do things on time. So that gets into like literally budgeting, scheduling on your calendar. If you're somebody who yes. easily gets distracted and forget to understand to pay your bills on time because the late fillies will really hit you hard Two, see what your interest rates are. Because those, mm -hmm. if, and that gets into my third thing, which you mentioned, which again, have a feeling for you, it's like so obvious, but can I tell you how many people don't do this, is read your statements every month. Because you, yes. if you're not reading your statements, and I think many credit card companies and different institutions and all those companies that we have digital subscriptions to are banking on the fact 
that we don't. It's like gym memberships. Like they're banking on the fact that most people never come to the gym. That's how they make money. But so yes. the same thing is most, pe- most people are banking on the fact that you're actually not paying attention. So you don't notice how yes. much. See, we see the fact that the price of the salad skyrocketed, but we're mm-hmm. not paying attention. We haven't seen all those backend fees that we're paying have skyrocketed. And we're yes. just, and we're, 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 and that's an unforced error that we don't have to. So that's a really powerful, like kind of a reclaiming step. Okay, not gonna Mm -hmm. deal with that anymore. I've taken that one back. I'm in charge of this now. It's a really good feeling when you get on top of that. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I'm gonna take it one step further though. So many people do look at their statements. They glance at their statement and the names look so familiar because you see ExxonMobil or Wawa is the local, um, down in New Jersey, local Tasha. You just see Wawa and you think nothing of it. I have said to clients or friends or like, I'm sure you do look at your monthly statement. I'm not saying you don't. Try one month to just grab a ruler and go through line by line slow. And sometimes there's ones on there that you go, wait a minute, what is that? That that was never on there before. It has happened to me. That was never on there before. I was never charged that fee before. And then you look and you call, you've been paying that fee for six months. Never even thought of it because it just blended. Your eyes, I looked at it, it just rolled over, it blended. And that's where a lot of times when you build a budget and you're looking line item by line item by line item, you realize there's things you don't even want to spend your money on. You don't want to spend your money on, you don't want to spend your company's money on. And then ultimately, all those expenses get passed on to your customer, your client. I more than once did not realize that by Mm -hmm. buying that mascara during the pandemic that I bought into a makeup subscription. No, thank you. We've all done it. (laughs) So that's buyer beware. That also gets into read the fine print when we're just scrolling through and clicking all those boxes. Stacey, you're a gift. Where can people find you? Because you have a tremendous service that you provide. Oh, thank you so much. So I'm at A6 FinBiz. So I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all under A as in Apple, um, A6, that's not what it stands for, but A6 FinBiz. And my website is a6finbiz.com. Fantastic. Thank you, Stacey. You've been so great. This has been a real wonderful, useful, helpful, sexy budgetary conversation. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I think a budget's very sexy. (laughs) And, And thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. Please visit ableintermedia.com and download my free book, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.